Hi, and welcome back to the European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love the show, share it with your friends and join our newsletter at eu.vc. Today, we are happy to welcome Boris, founding partner at Smock Ventures. They help fund top early stage entrepreneurs with checks from 50,000 euros to 1 million euros based in Central and Eastern Europe, focusing on software and gaming startups. We were very fortunate to record live with Boris during this year's edition of How to Web. If you enjoy our content, do support us by hitting the follow button, giving us a review and following the European VC on LinkedIn. Boris, welcome to the European VC podcast. Super cool to have you. We are here in loco from How to Web. So let's start with that. Why the hell are you here? It's just a great city, Bucharest. No one thinks that I do. So it's you know <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, we are interested in investing in Romania and in other parts of Central Eastern Europe. And this is one of the coolest conferences in the area. So I have to be here. The venue is really cool, actually. It's my first time in How to Web. Uh, the venue is really awesome. I love it. Great food, great coffee. Yeah, that coffee is great. We had a beautiful oh, pizza. Unexpected <laughs> for a conference. So kudos <laughs> to Alex and Bogdan and everyone. <laughs> the coffee is good, but it's such a hassle some of them because it's a fucking machine that we have to make work. I hate it. I'm not. I'm not a tech guy. I can't make a fucking coffee machine work. <laughs> so, Boris, to our listeners that don't know about you, give us the quick rundown. Who's Boris, and what is this thing called, Smock? Sure. And uh, why the hell Smock? Because yeah. that's a weird name. That's a weird name. True. In Albanian, I think it means a small kiss. A small kiss. Yes, and in uh, Romanian, they told Sexy. me it means a bowl of hair. <laughs> Less <That's sexy>. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> a small kiss and bowl of hair. Yes, it's weird. In Poland, unfortunately, it just means a dragon. Ah, also, cool. also in cool. Belarusian, it means a dragon. And actually, I thought it means a dragon in every Central Eastern European country. That's why we called it. And then it turns out it's Drakon. In most of the countries, it's just smog in Polish. And Dragon is a company that returns a fund. Yeah. So that makes sense, right? Yeah. So that's why you call but it But now smog. you're a mix of a small kiss and a hairball. Yeah, in yeah. Albanian and in Romanian. The first part of the question, so who the hell am I? I'm an engineer who turned into entrepreneur, who turned into investor. So I, you know, I've been changing my career a few times. You've been so. shifting to the dark side every single time. Yeah, it is, it's like more and more to the dark side. <laughs> darker and and darker. Then I become a private equity, then an investment banker. You know, that's how it works. <laughs> and, uh, and Smock is an American fund investing in Central Eastern Europe. So that's a, a bit of a different type of fund that most of the funds operating in the area. Tell us why you, when you say it's American fund investing in Central Eastern Europe. Why American? What? It was basically an idea of Paul Bregel, my partner, who's a kind of venture builder for funds. He yeah. He has a family office investing in the US, yeah. but then he's got funds in all the most cool, sexy, emerging markets in the world. He was one of the first to invest in Singapore 10 years ago. Now he's got one of the biggest funds in the area. He's in Brazil, Africa, and now Eastern Europe. So everywhere we're supposed to be in order to get the, the snappiest, most undervalued, but still amazing founders. Did you know him beforehand? Because I know Paul a little bit, had a couple of interactions with him, but nothing serious. We've been in and out. So Paul, like we've met 
I think more so back in 2012 or so, when he was coming to the city. His, his ancestors are Polish, wanted to do something for the country. So I kind of got him to know all the local like, system, the local founders. And he'd been super helpful. He, he'd been doing a lot of intros. And he actually introed me, when I was running my company, Filmmaster, he introed me to Ashwin Naveen, who is the founder of uh, BitTorrent. And then he yeah. created uh, Samba TV, who later acquired my company. So yeah. that was Paul's intro. And after that, I was like, oh, this Paul guy, he knows things and he knows people. Let's do something together. And he, you know, we, you know, once I got the vesting, and Paul was like, yeah, let's do something together in Poland and Eastern Europe. And that's how it kind of started. Paul is also a good friend of Adeos, Adeo Resi from um, Michelin. Yeah, yeah, he's very much in the Foundry Institute. Yeah, he, I'm also pretty active, both Poland and Eastern Europe. I was about to ask if, if how are you involved, if at all, with Foundry Institute? I've been the, one of the first mentors in the Warsaw edition yeah. back in 2011 when it started, and I'm, I'm mentoring in the Eastern European ones yeah. in Bucharest and yeah. Sofia as well. So I, I really love this, the, you know, the idea of Foundry Institute to get yeah. the first time founders to get their first knowledge so they know what the hell they're talking about yeah. when they talk to VCs yeah. and stuff like that, so yeah. Okay, but then let's get into smock, not, not, okay, that was the American part. So that's where the, I guess you're a Delaware Incorporated or something like that, and then... We actually in the Netherlands, so oh, okay, you are. it's more like we, you know, we... It's we, more that your LP base is, I guess, is yeah. very heavily American because... Paul and his brother are, you know, partners to the fund, and then we have myself and Diana based here in, in Warsaw, mm -hmm. then we have a few people in Romania and in Ukraine. The whole conglomerate of different funds, uh, you know, originates from, from, from Paul, and the whole way we act, we yeah, act more yeah. like a Silicon Valley fund versus a, a Central Eastern, or even a European fund. Yeah. I think that's, you know, the culture. And that's the next thing. How do you act? What's your investment thesis, the strategy? Yeah, I mean, we act about? fast. I think that's the, like, we really commit very fast to, to companies. We do pre-seed deals. We want to not waste founders' time. So we do very quick comments, very quick notes as well. So people are sometimes are scared when they have a meeting with me. I'm like, I'm gonna think about that. And then like half an hour, half an hour later, I'm like, no. Uh, and and they, they, they're like surprised, but then they appreciate it usually yeah. because they're like, it's better to see it's quick no. It's the second best answer, right? Yeah, like it's the worst when you're like, ah, oh, it's like been a few weeks, are you in or out? It, I hated it. I was fundraising for my startups yeah. for ages and I just, you know, I have a, lot of, a list of investors where I just, just make your mind. <laughs> Tell me something. So fast, being fast is important. Yeah, for sure. We are, uh, you know, hands off. We don't really interact that much once we invest. We yeah. want the founders to, to call us if they need help. And they do. We're both operators. So that helps. Like, I feel sometimes I'm, you know, valuable to the, those founders, especially when they go into for, like, tough times. They're like, what the fuck do we do? Do we have to, like, fire people? Or, like, there's a problem with fundraising. So all that stuff I've been going through and Paul's been going through. Yeah. So it's just easier for us to help. And then I think the biggest value we actually add is once you're actually going to the, to the fundraise. And usually we invest in centuries in Europe. So those guys really, uh, and girls, they know the local ecosystem. They know the local founders. Say they're in Romania. They know all the local funds, same as in Poland, other countries. They don't really, they're not really well connected outside of Poland. So, and we are super well connected both in the US, in Asia, and in Western Europe. And this is where most of the money actually comes from after we invest. Eight, more than 80% of the money that our startups raise come from those countries. So, so this is the biggest benefit, I think. And we've been really you know, helpful in those intros. We're not gonna you know, sell a startup to a Korean fund or Japanese fund or Singaporean fund, but we, at least they know the guys who invested, they know Paul, they know, you know, we did together, you know, due diligence of the company, it's just way easier for them to commit. Yeah. They like the company, they like the startup, but they also have the validation of us being yeah. in the cap table. That's a small thing, but I think it's pretty helpful and it's pretty unique in the CEE area. 
And when you say that you move fast, that it often comes with also a bit of a more uh, bigger portfolio. How many tickets are you doing? How big is the fund? Give us all those stats. So the first fund was uh, about 10 million, uh, and we spent it about two years. So we made 25 investments, and then we also had 10 small acceleration tickets. Yeah. Uh, so about one investment per month over two years. And now the, the second fund we're aiming at uh, 50 mil, but the strategy is similar. We're going to do a bit b between 25 and 35 investments, but we want to uh, follow on a bit longer. Like we want to support those companies up until series B, ideally, to have a, a bit bigger stake and a bit longer be able to help those companies, especially now in the current times, it's actually important. So just, just to be clear, so you are still in the process of raising fund two, correct? I would say, I mean, we, we're past the first closing, okay. and uh, the second closing, we're just waiting for the two big institutions. Yeah. So we, we're not really fundraising for private money anymore yeah. for, the, yeah. for the second fund. Yeah. We can still sneak in a few tickets, yeah. but we're not really like, actively fundraising. So if you're an LP listening it, <laughs> just kidding, but... Obviously, you know, <laughs> yeah, we're the next one's going to be two years. It's going to yeah, be like, exactly. we're kind of constantly fundraising anyway. But you, uh, so 30, 35 investments, Central Eastern Europe, how vertical are you agnostic? We are agnostic. We do software. We wouldn't do like genetics or like we wouldn't do biotech. We don't know much. Like we're all engineers. Like yeah. All of us, like the four <laughs> co-founders, we're all engineers. It's also, also pretty unique. As engineers, I like very engineering-centric startups. We've done a lot of developer tools. We've done a lot of game or game like software for gamers. But we also have done basically just guys who understand one industry, like with the hospitality startup, the guy who've been like doing hospitality startups for, for the whole time, for the whole year, for the whole life, and also like prop tech, fintech. So we, we, we wouldn't, we would say really good entrepreneurs, a lot of serial entrepreneurs who want to do something global now. That's the most important part. Like we won't be interested at all if you are even a big local play. The whole idea of our fund is that we want to help you race in Asia, in the US. And you know, to do this, you need to be tackling those markets. So now that we, we know what Smok's about, we know what you guys are about, and you talked of the journey of going from fund one to fund two, what's changed, what hasn't changed. I'd really love for you to dive a bit deeper if you could, because often, you know, Andres and I have these conversations, you know, with, with aspiring GPs and emerging GPs, talking about fund size, fund size, fund size. And I always say, like, I love bottom-up approaches, where it's more about what are you investing in? What are the deals you're doing? Why? You know, and then that, you derive fund size from that, but your second fund is five times the size of the first fund. So I'd love to deep dive on, was that, you know, Boris woke up and felt like a 50-sized uh, fund, or what, what was the, the reasoning behind it? It was funny, like, Paul, my partner, told me that the first fund is going to be 10 mil, and the second fund is going to be 50 mil, the third fund is going to be 100 mil. And I was like, two years ago, when I was like really struggling raising 10 yeah. mil, and I got yeah. most of the money from the government, you know, only like 70% like of the money came from the government. It was like, how the hell do I raise 50 mil? The Polish government. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then it turns out the second fund is way easier. Like when you already have a good investment and we kind of, we became one of the top funds in the region, in, you know, in Poland, you know, everyone knew us. We did all the card deals that were on the market. Then it was just like some people, you know, just put 10 times more. I didn't even know that those guys, you know, can do it. So after like a year of investing, we already knew that we raised too little in the yeah, first fund. Yeah. The reason was we do super early pre-seed deals and we couldn't invest more than like a million into a company. Yeah. And then like very quickly, we invested say half a mil into a company at five mil valuation. And then suddenly they raised, you know, 20 mil. We cannot even put Parada. 
and we cannot even, like, our share is you know, dramatically going down and we would love to be part of our top performers. So now with a bigger fund, we just want to support them a bit longer. How did you manage that in fund one? Because that's a situation that many GPs have had. You know, it's probably going to be a bit less aggressive now <laughs> compared to the two-year period we're coming out of. But how did you manage that seeing you had money on the table? What would you, did you do with it? Because I keep hearing about a guy um, coming out of TechCrunch in the States that is raising a fund to buy up <laughs> GP stakes in... Uh, or well, we've been approached by a number of those funds. Yeah. Those are actually like, the, they're on the rise. Yeah, like, yeah, and a lot of LPs will, like, a lot of GPs will want to do that. So we didn't do much really, like we couldn't, with the setup we had, we couldn't really increase the fund size uh, yeah. because of the, all the governmental yeah, uh, yeah. structure. So we decided, hey, our returns are gonna be great, you know, because the upside, the, the multiples are gonna be amazing if yeah, we just yeah. do the seed round. Yeah. It's just that we feel that we could do better returns as in actual cash yeah. if we invest, you know, in some a few top performance. So that's why we changed this. Not a huge change of strategy. Same strategy for the pre-seed and seed investment. It's just more, a bit more follow-up. My question was then, why, why not raise an opportunity fund as an example? Was that ever on the table? Yeah, we can still do that for for, for some of the for both fund one and fund yeah, exactly, two. Yeah. It was just one project at a time, and uh, we, you know, we finished spending fund one. We started, you know, fundraising fund two. Now we have it, so I, I'm still considering to do that, even per startup. We we can still do those things, and uh, and there is a lot of interest from both LPs to put into you know some of the top companies. For now, it's been LPs putting to some of the top companies instead of us. So that's great for them, not great for us. But I think gonna fix it. You're not doing like SPV. No, not yet, not yet, not yet. The LPs are going direct. It's kind of harder when you have like institutional investors because yeah. then it's like you have to. Everyone yeah. needs to make sure there is no conflict of interest, yeah, yeah. and it's always some kind of conflict of interest. Yeah. So it, we just, you know, we didn't have the mind space to do that yeah. for fund one. But we will, we will consider so that. Are the LPs they're seizing the pro rata themselves? No, it's more like, you know, especially now there's a lot of bridge rounds yeah. coming and obviously, you know, our LPs are, in, most of them are entrepreneurs and they yeah. follow our company. So it's just yeah. easier for them to put a bit of money into the companies versus going to, to the open market. So a lot of those deals were just, you know, I just spread it. Hey, those guys are great. Yeah. And we okay. putting a bit and then they put a bit yeah. more. Yeah. And sometimes they put it's even more like, of an informal facilitation. It's, it's, it's more informal. It's not. It's not formalized. I wouldn't like to formalize it because it's yeah. restricting startups. Like I don't want them to have to give space yeah, to exactly. my LP. They don't know them. They have there to. Yeah. It's a relationship thing. I'm curious because, and we'll cut this part of the interview if you don't want to talk <laughs> sure. about it. No, we won't. <laughs> the Polish government fund of fund program. Yeah. has been discussed in the ecosystem as one of those that hasn't been uh, the most always successful. Even on the pod, we've had guests saying that they didn't want that capital, yeah. as an example. How has your experience been and what are the learnings to all the people that are raising especially Because what we typically hear is that the sovereign fund of funds typically go on the same development paths from each country to each country. And in Denmark, we started making mistakes, then we learned, then we learned, now we've got Bex Fountain, which is doing a pretty good job. You know, all of them are kind of, now we're seeing Eastern Europe going through the same things that we've been through in, in Western Europe on the sovereign wealth fund front. We've been making our own mistakes as well because the government spending on startups in Poland started back in 2008 or so. Yeah. Yeah. And that was mostly grants given by the government straight to startups. Yeah. That was a horrible mistake. Yeah. And the, not, not many startups actually took the money. Interestingly, I took the money and we actually did get to an exit. For, that was one of the successes of that program. But then they decided, hey, let's do it as a VC funding, but they also screwed it up. Yeah. 
and they did like a whole bunch of like two or three batches of VC funding. So we took the money from the last batch, which was definitely the, the best. In general, I, I would say the last batch is a success because it got a lot of entrepreneurs like myself to launch their first funds. So the government was like the PFR, the organization, was actually pretty open-minded with you know, giving the opportunity to people not normally associated with venture. Because before it was mostly financial guys doing you know, venture in Poland, now it's more entrepreneurs. So a number of those funds, like my fund, you know, we kind of got that funding and then we raised the second fund, which is private. We can still take some institution, but now it's like more on our, on our terms. We don't have to. Yeah. So it was a success this way. And also it was a success because it generated many more uh, you know, startups from, uh, in Poland. I can compare it with like Bulgaria or with um, Czech Republic or with Romania. They didn't have those programs and there's still like four, five actual funds operating in Poland. There's like you know, 50 funds or even more funds operating. Okay, not all of them are great, but you have different options. So I would say this was an interesting experiment. It was based on the Israeli experiment, yeah. actually. In general, it's, I think it's a success for the Polish funding ecosystem. Now it's the time to like, check yeah, like, yeah. the, and, and I hope they don't fund again the same founders, yeah. the same GPs, like they need to prove themselves now on an open market. Yeah. They should be, you know, so depending on where it goes. But I think now they're changing a bit. They, even the fund that I got was a bit restrictive. It, we could only invest in Poland. It has to be associated yeah. with Poland. That's why the foreign funds didn't want to do it because yeah. they didn't want to restrict themselves to Poland. But for me, it was great. It was like a way for me to get to the first fund. We still wanted to do mostly Poland. So it was, a, you know, it was a great test and it's just way easier to raise, you know, three mil versus 10 mil. But they now are doing a bit different strategy. So they fund bigger funds. They, they're a small part yeah. of bigger funds. And only that part needs to be invested in Poland. Yeah. So let's say 5%. So for some of those big funds from the UK, that's okay. Like they would still do that. Yeah. And it's a way for Polish government to be part of those, you know, more successful, yeah. bigger European funds. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a, they're evolving. It's an interesting yeah. strategy. Yeah. It's better to do this than to do nothing, I think, uh, which happened in most other countries. We have to touch on a topic we talked about last night as well. Or I said to you on the back of a LinkedIn post that you did that ended up getting quite some traction because you said that founders with a Russian sounding name put on your first day, page of your pitch deck, put your, put your story there, explain how your relation is, just to get it out of the way so that you don't have that lingering throughout a process that can either be, you know, better or shorter. <laughs> um, you know, we had the funny conversation where you said, well, you know, people took it more to heart and took it, some people took it in a way that it was never meant. And then I said, do you think that the VC ecosystem should be more vocal about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and everything? And then we had an interesting conversation. I want to bring this up because I think that you're vocal about this and I'd love to just, you know, don't comment necessarily on anything that I said, but say whatever you want in this context. I think it's something a lot of GPs think about. No one really had the guts to say it and like to at least start a conversation. And uh, I think some people just took it too personal because they were like, I wrote something like, if you're a Russian and support Putin, fuck off. I yeah. stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm just saying, to all Russians, fuck off. Obviously, I have Russian friends. I actually wanted to live in Russia yeah. <laughs> when I was younger. My wife was like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I was a big fan of Dostoevsky. I wanted to live in St. Petersburg because I was I like, ah, I go to those you know, beer pubs and get drunk. I was like, I'm really a big fan of that. You know, it's, it's breaking me that now, like it's just not possible anymore. And you know, the country is going nowhere. And we have hard time because like, it's about reputation. It's about due diligence. 
I would love to just not take nationality into account at all. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. I don't think that's possible in the current times. Hopefully that soon is possible again, but for now it seems like it's black or white. You either support Putin or you support the country or you're against it and you have to kind of take the, the full path. So, so I'm like, I would still consider, you know, talking to guys who are based outside of Russia and, you know, are anti-Putin and they've proven that they are, but I will be just way, way more, uh, I'll be asking a lot of more yeah, questions. Yeah. It's just going to be a bit harder yeah. for you guys. I, you know, I feel sorry for that, but I feel way more sorry for the Ukrainians and what's happening right now. Yeah. Whereas we always end the episodes with a quick fire round. Yeah, And it's time for that. The quick fire <laughs> round is when we ask you three quick answer questions, 30 to 60 seconds each. Are you ready? I, I'm nervous, but I'm ready, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you should not be nervous. First question, what areas, sectors, or technologies excite you the most that most people around you don't really care that much about? That's supposed to be quick, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty excited about the game streaming. Yeah, okay. uh, the game streaming industry. It's a growing industry, but a lot of VCs have no clue about that because yeah. they don't play games, they don't watch Twitch. Um, so You're I, saying we, they're too old. They, <laughs> I didn't say that. No, that would be ageism. Um, uh, uh, so even though it's a small market right now, I feel this is something that's going to be just huge. And it's going to be like all the kids are influenced by those guys. And so I think like getting onto this market and we have a few investments, I think it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty big. Yeah, I agree. Very interesting. Yeah. See how it develops. Second question of the quick fire. What are your top tips for emerging managers across Europe who are fundraising? Build your network way before you fundraise. <laughs> like be very vocal, meet a lot of people, create events, like be the guy who everyone knows that, he, oh, this guy should have deal flow. This girl should have deal flow in this area, in this space. Be the expert, at least in one niche. Yeah. This way you're going to get a lot of people trust you that you are the one to, you know, you, the only thing you need to have is the deal flow and the, the money. That's the only thing you have to, to, to raise a fund. We had a great talk about that yesterday about Bakhtan. We're sitting there at Venture and CE Summit and, you know, he's sitting there with, I don't know, 100 investors that he has been inviting for 10 years to come to How to Web. And now he's building Underline and it's just, it's apparent that, of course, that fund is going to both raise itself and it's also going to perform greatly because he has all the backing in the world for what he's building. That's the difference between being someone who should have a fund and someone who just wants to have a fund, right? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I love that. When you ask all the founders, they're like, yeah, well, I'm, like that's the first question I ask you in Romania. Like, who should we be talking to uh, as for like, which funds are great and which funds you, and everyone's like, Talk to Bogdan, he's doing something amazing. <laughs> I'm like, yep, of course, that's that makes amazing. sense. <laughs> Third and final question of the quick far, which is typically the hardest, which is what's the most counterintuitive learning you've had since you've started Smock? Sometimes don't go with your gut feeling. I was so much into like, this is a culture of thinking. You're, just, you're supposed to really be a great teammate with yeah. your founders and like to really hang out with them. And that's really important. It is. But I made the mistakes of sometimes investing because of that. Like I, I focused too much on the person and too little on the product, on their ability to execute. So now I'm like, I still think you have to be friends, especially in early stage. Otherwise, it's just not gonna work. But I have to be filtering a bit more. I made some, you know, just you know, I probably would have would have invested in a few companies. I, I did, and everyone has that. You know, those ideas, those those. I'm not gonna say which. <laughs> Never. Please, please, please list them now. <laughs> yeah, I can type them on the every thing. single. <laughs> so yeah. Boris, 
thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, we, pleasure. We love doing stuff with you. So I think we're not right now. We're almost on our way to head to dinner with a bunch of cool people for EUVC syndicate. I'm joining too. So <laughs> I, it's going to be in a place that's going to feel like the Great Gatsby has come alive. <laughs> so it's going to be amazing. Can't wait for it. <laughs> Looking forward. See you, Boris. Thanks a million. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the European VC the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love the show, share it with your friends and join our newsletter at eu.vc.